We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? Dean here, Dean 7904 around the DFS circles. It is the NFL Pick Six show starring Rich Rebar, you know him from Sharp Football Analytics, John Diggle, you know him from Rotor World. What's up, guys? Uh, two of the sharpest minds in all of football, talking football on a Wednesday night. It is important to note, yes, we are live on YouTube. We'll do our best to hit the monitor of the comments. If you guys say something interesting over there, we will acknowledge it. We'll have a conversation about it. But if you guys are watching some replay, this is Wednesday night and the NFL is fluid. And some things might be chalky on Wednesday and some players might be playing on Wednesday and you're watching it on Friday and all of a sudden they're not playing. So keep that in mind. John, uh, what's going on? How, how are things in your world? Uh, I was telling you before the slate, I was telling both of you guys, this is a gross slate. I don't like it. I don't mind saying to the people, I'm going to still play. I don't like it though. I don't know about two of the sharpest, but certainly two of the most tired after a Tuesday game throws our routine completely off track. Uh, but we're here. We're excited. It's going to feel better tomorrow night when there's no football. But uh, yeah, I think we're still just our brains are catching up right now. Having said that, yeah, I am very interested in this slate. It's an ugly one. It's a one where you wake up and you hate your lineup on Sunday mornings because the it's not so chalky. They're not. There might not even be chalky pieces in this entire uh, structure of DFS conversations we're going to have. No matter what show you watch, it feels like one where everyone's going to land on someone different at every position because that's just kind of how the slate shapes up since we're losing some top contenders for a double hitter on Monday night for the main one. So I'm actually really excited about this week. Yeah, uh, we're losing a lot. Of course, we're going to talk to main slate, main slate only. Uh, Seattle's not playing. Bye weeks are introduced as well. So no Seattle, no, no Russ. He's not cooking this week. No New Orleans, no Vegas, no Chargers. Sunday night is Rams Niners. Monday night, again, another double header, which is great. And the circumstances, of course, are bad how it's happening. But uh, silver lining, it's fun for double header. I suppose it's not that much fun if you guys got to do content for it. I don't have to do content for a Monday night game. So, uh, Rebar, are you exhausted for the same reasons that John referenced? Oh man, it's week six. I'm I'm way in the can already, man. It's you know I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty spry weeks one and two, and uh, yeah. now I'm you know there's there's bye weeks. There's four teams off, so you know I'll take those. We'll live through the bye weeks. But yeah, I mean the Tuesday game threw a wrench in things. I saw a lot of people tweeting like, "Oh, this is great. There should be football every night." And I was like, "I hope there's not football every night." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think this slate is fun. I think it's fun because, you know, we're not just going to have the same. I don't think, especially in head-to-heads, I don't think it will be like the 4v4. Like, we, we typically play in head-to-heads or something. I think it's going to be a lot of variance. I think you have a lot of options at running back. I wish the wide receiver position was good this year in fantasy football to make things interesting. But I think it's going to be a fun week uh, where a lot of people can go in a lot of different directions. And I think we will. Um, I, I think we'll talk about some of these games. But uh you know, I did want to just bring up because you brought up before that, you know, uh, you know, that we heard that Dexter is coming back. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think Michael C. Hall ran out of things to do uh, and realized he was out of money. The yeah. uh, there's there's never been a better season finale in TV, but also a series finale, the wor- a, a worse series finale within the same show. Season three or season four, the John Lithgow season. Yeah, the, uh, is it a spoiler alert if I say the bathtub murders? Okay, yeah, I didn't know. The bathtub scene and then, of course, the lumberjack scene are on completely <laughs> opposite sides of the spectrum. It's not even fair. Yeah, and shout oh. out to Michael C. Hall. He's like, uh, two of my favorite shows, two of the best characters and distinctly different. Six Feet Under, worth checking out as well, too. Which great is, series mm-hmm. finale. Six Feet Under, great series finale. Top five. That's a top five series finale. <laughs> great show in general. That. Oh, I love that show. It's so good. Find that if you guys aren't aware. It's on the uh, HBO Max. This show, not sponsored by HBO Max, but, you know, there you go. It gives to the people. It can be. HBO, it can be. <laughs> I'm up for it. <laughs> we should mention by the way before we kind of dive in yes what's up youtube feel free to like and subscribe we do appreciate that and again our eyes will be on the chat if anything interesting pops up you know obviously if it's relevant to the conversation we're having you guys are on a slight delay but we'll, we'll do our best to keep up with that but rotor grinders uh they're presenting on fanduel this week uh, not just this week but uh weeks six through 13 the fanduel single entry series uh and i know i'm just supposed to say this because i work for og but i'm telling you i love this uh it's a single entry series there's not enough uh single entry contests out there in my opinion uh how that works is you play it like any other normal contest you sign it up for your normal contest you see it in the in the lobby and it has the rg logo next to it uh there's three different buy-in levels five dollars thirty three dollars a hundred dollars and it goes from weeks six through thirteen and the top four combined scores within each tier uh the top two finishers of that They'll take your top four. So if you take your four best scores, so it does help you play every single week, you increase your chances, yada, yada. The top two finishers in each tier advance to a six-man, $20,000 final. It's just added value. And not just that, I, you know, I'm big on flat contests uh, as far as flat payout. Up top, the, uh, the $100, I think, is like 12% paid to first. The $33, I want to say, is like 8 or 9% but paid to first. And I saw some contests this last week. <laughs> Like 50% paid to first. Like, I can't oh, yeah. play that. I don't know what you guys like, uh, like at big MME contests, but, you know, Dago, do you have a preference for me? I love a good flat payout. I love a great, you know, b- big size contest as far as single entry. That's my wheelhouse. How about yourself? Yeah, that's why it always changes for me when I talk about tournaments because I'm more of a 10% to first and a flatter payout like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I play a bunch of the mid to high stakes for that payout, like, um, well, I don't know. It's like a 50 to 150 person tournaments, like the 150 to 300 entries. Those are my kind of games where I don't have to play uh, Chase Claypool, for instance, last week to win the tournament. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I had so much Deontay Johnson. My day oh, was, yeah. yeah, the whole thing on Fandle with the scoring of like the, the so like I didn't really have to log <laughs> in and see. Like I knew I wasn't doing well. It's like that's I had a ton of Deontay Johnson. So it was a 
I, pre- lineup, no I prefer to have like a top 2% lineup and not not a top 0.2% lineup to get money back. That's the way I look at tournaments. <laughs> All right. Rebar, do you have a preference as far as contest or it's just sort of like wherever? Because th- that's one of the things we don't talk about enough. And again, we're going to talk to Slate in a second, three games specifically. We'll talk about Houston, Tennessee, Detroit, Jacksonville, Green Bay, Tampa. And just those three teams, three matchups alone should tell you that this slate is not pretty. Although they're all high and tight as far for what it's worth. You know, high totals, you know, uh, expected to be close games. But those are our feature games, Detroit and Jacksonville. Of course, it's from a DFS perspective and not a watchability or like these are the best teams in the league perspective. But, uh, yeah, do you have thoughts on that, uh, Rebar, as far as contests you prefer? Yeah, I'm more of a a, a single entry three max uh, looking for short uh like short entries typically under like 1200 and, and lower but uh yeah definitely trying to where yeah I'm, I'm trying to beat like only a certain a portion of the field you know instead of you know definitely mm-hmm. trying to thread the needle here you know on, on like some of these contests like the millie and stuff like that so definitely i'm in that boat where i'm looking to aim small miss small you know in, in a sense uh yeah is, is where i'm at and that's where i tend to shop but uh yeah i mean this that's kind of what you look for. The, the flattest payouts you can find, it varies from site to site, uh, you know, what you can look for. I mean, not granted after everything that happened, you know, last weekend, I don't know, like, uh, you know, we, I guess we don't, we don't really have to touch on that, but uh, it, it happened on both sites too. It wasn't just one site. You know, if you play college DFS, it happened on the other site as well. So we don't have to, we don't have to throw stones or, you know, say anything, but it was an ugly weekend uh, for everything that happened last week, but I'm glad that, you know, everything is, and we're all pushing on. We're all going to play again. So, I mean, they've got us, they've got us, over a barrel what are you gonna do i think the slant is as frisky as i typically get on dk where but i mean that's still a flat payout for a nine dollar entry like that's more than fair so that's usually the tournament i suggest to everyone because that's fun recreationally and just smart for the payout yeah that's one of my favorite contests on dk to play but uh, single entry flat payouts it's super and contest selection. Like I was talking to somebody this past weekend and we'll talk about the slate in a second. I, I swear, but I think this is important to get out there, but they were like, I put up this score and I barely won it. I'm like, well, why? Like, what contest did you enter? And it turns out it's like, yeah, you just entered the wrong contest. That was a problem. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, first game on tap Houston at Tennessee, Tennessee is minus three and a half, 53 and a half is the total. Uh, so, you know, Daigle, what, what did we learn about the new Houston, uh, the, the Rene Crenel, uh, Romeo Cornell uh, regime? What, what, what are we to expect? Did we learn anything from game one? Is there anything we can take away as far as going forward? That every team should play the Jaguars defense every single week. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. So they actually ran more play action. They were previously running the league's third lowest rate, but they finally threw Deshaun Watson under center and allowed him to run a 29% play action. He also had 17% of his balls go 20 plus yards downfield. So we're allowing him to throw downfield more. Again, I do wonder how much of it is the Jaguars top three defenders, as we talked about last week, being absent, but we should still be encouraged now because this offense is somewhat different. And as we always talked about the schedule is opened up in general we're talking about this game now against the titans because it's another good game so we were really just waiting for them to get past the murders row of those three opponents they opened with against in the afc against the steelers chiefs and ravens and now they're in the friendly portion of their schedule uh and did at least a few things differently so throwing downfield more and more play action we can have confidence in him i believe going back to him this week so one of the things I like to do before we do this show is I go to the RG lineup HQ. We have our projections, obviously, again, it's Wednesday night, but, and I run like 150 optimal lineups and just kind of see what it sort of spits out at me. And 27% has given me Deshaun Watson, at quarterback on DK on Fandle. He's the number one quarterback at 24%. Again, you guys are talking about, 
you know, there's not necessarily one quarterback or one player that stands out as far as a slate with a few outliers, obviously. But right now we're seeing Watson and then Jackson and Fitzpatrick, uh, Minshew. It's, you know, it's a who's who of quarterbacks that we love playing in DFS, obviously. Uh, Rebar, <laughs> any takeaways there? And as of right now on a Wednesday night, is Watson your, your like de facto like shell lineup cash quarterback right now? He's definitely in play. I haven't decided yet as I as I dig in because the thing about Watson is he hasn't really shown us that he has that that ceiling that we want yet. And you know, part of it is because he's just not running. You know, like he was you know in years past. I mean, his season high is twenty seven rushing yards. He only had twenty five you know rushing yards last week um, with all the dropbacks. But you know, it's just that's what he needs to kind of cra- crash that ceiling. But this game could go back and forth. Uh, like Daigle said, there was a nice little. Uh, you know, spike in, in, you know, play action usage granted, you know, the positive game script, they're a team too, that like they, they typically don't, you, you see a lot of teams, positive game script invites more play action uh, and more teams go away from it when they are trailing. So we'll see, you know, if that is something that stickies, if, if they're trailing, you know, as road or if they're, um, you know, trailing on the road as road dogs. Uh, but even going back to the Pittsburgh game, though, it's three games in a row he's averaged over nine yards for pass attempts. So there's been some encouraging signs that he's turned the corner. I would like to see a little more ceiling out of him and some more running still, but yeah, he's definitely in the mix when you look at the quarterback options on this slate. Um, and then he's really easy just to pair with. That's what kind of what, how everyone fell last week. I mean, Will Fuller has been pretty steady. Even his, you know, floor games are good now because he's one finding the end zone and he's getting intermediate targets. And then, you know, people just immediately look, went right back to Brandon Cooks because of just how many routes he's running. Um, he's just, he's on the field. I mean, he granted when, when everyone was on him two weeks ago, he was getting that exercise in, but you know, last week <laughs> they made it a point to give him the football and, you know, he turned in, he's since week one, when he was hurt, he's run a pass rate on 92% of the dropbacks. And I think that that's something people have looked at uh, this season. You know, I think that's like the stat, you know, du jour this year, you know, we had target share, you know, kind of come to the fold and everyone cited target share and air yards. This year feels like everyone's talking about routes for dropback. Like no matter what, it feels like that's the thing everyone's honing in on. That's the next thing to like put in the portfolio. And he's one of those guys. And that's why his ownership was so high last week outside of, you know, it being a good matchup and people wanted to pair somebody with Watson as well. Um, why people went to him. And, you know, when we talk about the Jaguars game, there's another guy in the exact same spot Cooks was in last week uh, in that spot as well. So, I mean, Houston's really easy to play on their side. We don't really want to mess with David Johnson because he's shown it. He's had two really good matchups in a row. And he didn't play bad last week, and he could have had a touchdown on a overthrow uh, from Deshaun Watson. But two or, two or fewer catches in every game since week one, season high of three, not really involved in the pass game, needs a touchdown to kind of get there. We don't really have to chase with him. Uh, road dog. Um, it's, it's just easy to play the Texan side. We know what we want to do with them. I do wonder how high Cook's ownership would have been, though, if there were other options to pay up for, because there was nothing last week. That's why I was talking about it. I almost ended up on rugs, and instead I was just like 1% or 2% rugs because there was nowhere else to go. Like So we just looked down. That's why Olamidi was so rostered, because we had to just go for cheap options to get all these expensive running backs we wanted. So without DeAndre Hopkins on this slate, like we could end up on these cheap guys yet again. Yeah, is there anything to explain why the rushing yards are just not there for Watson, or is it small sample size? Is this just like a, an active choice? Was it coaching? Was it the just where they were lining up? Or uh, can I expect it going forward in the future? Oh, what, what should I assume as far as uh, you know Watson's rushing? What, what do you offer there, Diggle? I really don't know. Uh, I know the Titans have averaged the league seventh 
lowest pressure rate so far. So we shouldn't expect him to really threaten him behind the line of scrimmage. But does that mean since he has more time to stand up, we assume that he can take off more or not? Um, Since he hasn't shown it, I don't know. The ceiling I can easily attribute to not having one of the best receivers in the league. I think that's logically simple. DeAndre Hopkins isn't there anymore. They're using Will Fuller for intermediate routes. Also getting him involved downfield, of course, but also uh, using him like they used DeAndre Hopkins last year with a median ADOT, whereas Brandon Cooks is a deep threat. And Brandon Cooks splashed this past week because even the coaching staff came out and said, after the game, of course, not before we rostered him anywhere, but after the game <laughs> said uh, our intention was to get him involved. Like we are tired basically using Brandon Cooks and allowing him, as Rich says, to exercise every single week. It's time to get him targets. So who knows if that sticks around this week? Um, having said that, I can't explain Washington Watson not rushing, but I still think we can have confidence in Will Fuller this week. I mean, because that's that he's been the constant this year, 18 points per game and his four healthy starts and appearance on milk cartons around Houston and the one game he was on the trainer's table. So I think it's pretty easy to still say he's a strong wide receiver one, wide receiver two, who I would even argue is matchup proof, um, despite Brandon Cook still being around. Rebar, uh, no Kittle, no Kelsey on the main slate. There is Andrews, but collectively this tight end, uh, you know, the collection of tight end options this week are pretty gross. Uh, I think if Aiken sits, you can consider a guy like Fells who got there in one catch last week. But on the other side, there's Jonu Smith in this game. And, you know, he's one of those guys that's popping up in the optimals. But the other part of it is, is like he's been lucky, super lucky from a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a touchdown variance perspective. And also, I don't think he's running a ton of routes. He's blocking a lot. Uh, there's probably some regression coming there, but who am I, you, you can't, you have to click somebody at tight end. They don't DK handle. They'll refuse your lineup. If you don't pick one. Uh, so he's like kind of the best option. If you can't get the Andrews, what am I doing with tight end? Uh, is, uh, is John one of the uh, top options? I think he, he, people will be drawn to him because one, he's been scoring touchdowns and, you know, he caught two on prime time, which always helps, you know, granted it was a prime time game we weren't expecting to get, but <laughs> uh, you know, it, it happened and people saw him and, you know, the, especially the last one was pretty fluky too, especially, you know, one, cause I mean, should they probably shouldn't even throwing in that spot. And then, you know, kind of, you know, they had that play where Tannehill almost goes past the line. It doesn't, by the way, that's one of the worst rules in football, the body part, any body part past the line scrimmage, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Like where you can just go two yards past the line, but, if your foot and is drag like, your like toe it's it's yeah like the weirdest, it's, crazy. it's like one of the weirder rules but johnny's been scoring touchdowns you're right i mean so because of their offense and the way they operate he is a guy that does block a lot more um per snap than he does routes he's like a tyler higby and a george kittle he was actually below those guys last year um and that's why i was one of the reasons why i was like hesitant to like go all in on like a breakout but he was cheap enough to you know take some shots on um but he does have 20 percent of the team targets in each of the past three games he has at least seven targets in three of his four games played so there is some target volume to kind of latch on to you're right he has been lucky from a touchdown perspective so maybe that's the reason why you go under in tournaments um or you know instead of you know uh you know have him like be locked in in cash he's a little priced up on dk this week more palatable on FanDuel, i think than he is on dk um where he's five two on dk and five eight on FanDuel, um because there are some cheaper options on dk where i think you can get away with and sliding you know like a, like an ebron or you know talking yourself into someone even grosser, but you know, I think he's one of the top guys just objectively, especially when you remove the mid tier, when I was doing, you know, submitting rankings this week and, you know, we, we have the top guys, we have the Kittle, Kelsey Andrews tier, right. And Waller's on by, so he's the next guy, but also, you know, a uh, Hunter Henry's on by too, but it's like when you start removing guys from that middle tier and you realize the gap from like the elite tier and the guys that are just like, okay, like Jared cook and Hunter Henry, when you remove those guys and you immediately jump to just like the, 
Dalton Schultz's of the world. Every year it's like, oh, this position is trash. Uh, and that's kind of like where we are. So like Johnny was like a clear tier cutoff, especially on this main slate where it's clearly Andrews. And then you've just really got Johnny unless you want to play the corpse of Zach Ertz. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like to talk about guys being toast, guys being done, guys being dust. And, you know, he's probably on the family feud board, at least from the, the eye test of, uh, you know, players that are potentially dust this season. Uh, John, is he, is he one of your guys there, John? I mean, again, there's not a lot of options. I was looking at the uh, little less than 30%, 18 catches this season, five touchdowns. That's probably not something that's going to be consistent going forward. Uh, good athlete, but opportunity is important. And again, he's blocking a ton, but who else are you going to play? But maybe in tournaments, it's good to get away from him for that reason. And tight ends have, you know, traditionally have the highest variance of, of, of the skill position players anyway. So that's probably a good thing to do in tournaments to get away from what I presume will be somewhat chalky there as far as Johnny Smith. What do you have for me? I mean, it, it just depends who we get back this game because Adam Humphreys came off COVID list. And like that, it should not worry me about A.J. Brown's usage, but it does since this team doesn't put their receivers in a position of strength weekly. They run the same run-heavy offense, allow A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys to run shallow crossing routes, and the ball goes where it goes. They're not trying to get A.J. Brown the ball at all. A.J. Brown's just so good, he earns the ball. So I'm still worried if like, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and Jonu Smith are now all available because we haven't seen that for a full game yet this year. And at that same token, if you don't want to go that route or if all of them are available, you still have Derrick Henry there because like Derrick Henry is the running back you're paying up for if you're paying up at running back in this slate. Like we have no Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, or Zeke. We have Henry here who has out-touched Jeremy McNichols 117 to 13 on the entire year, and yes, Henry's averaged 3.7 yards per carry, but what does it matter whenever you have 107 touches through four games? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the smash spot we're looking at, that everyone will be paying up in for, in cash games, and then it just depends how you want to run it back in tournaments, and maybe that is Tannehill in a terrific spot against this Texans defense that's still struggling to cover anyone. Maybe it is Jonu Smith, but I don't know. Um, and on the other side of the ball, you talk about the cutoff for tight ends, he's not the cutoff. He's still below the Mendoza line, of course. But Darren Fells is just out here running routes whenever Jordan Aikens is not available. So I know it took a broke, a busted coverage, long touchdown for him to get there last week. But he's still out there, at least, if Aikens is inactive this game. So I think that's another spot to look to. By the way, we have an old friend of ours here in chat. Uh, Eric Crane. What up, chat? Uh, what up, Eric? He's uh, Join the chat, but not the show. <laughs> he's Crane, Crane I love you. <laughs> he's Smart. talking about how sexy you guys are. I think he said collectively, I am here, but, you know, by association, the three of us. Uh, what's up, Crane? Hope, hope things are all well. Crane's soul uh, is still here. It's always here. <laughs> uh, so put this in context where we are because we have, on DK specifically, Derek Henry 7-3. And I know historically his game doesn't play that great on DK because he doesn't catch the football so much, but he also can get that 100-yard bonus, probably a greater chance than many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 7'3". Aaron Jones is 7'6". Uh, Madison is 7'2". Like, DK, wow. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. But that's actually a justified price. We'll talk about him soon enough. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about Henry versus the guys that are in his tier? Aaron Jones, Madison, I guess Connor at 7'1", Mike Davis at 7K as well. Yeah, so Derrick Henry, and I've talked about on the show multiple times, he's like the typical dude that I hate to play in DFS. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate running backs that don't catch the football uh, that can be game scripted out. And we haven't seen them play a negative game script yet, even though he has out touched Jerry McNichols, all those touches. We have not seen them like have to chase points at all. Like if something, if they have a couple turnovers or just something fluky happens, like what we still don't know what will happen with Derrick Henry. Is he going to get targets? Is he going to get carries? And, but Derrick Henry has also made, you know, uh, a nice career of like making me eat it, you know, especially at the end of last year when I didn't want to play him all those weeks when he would just pop off an 80 yard touchdown run and still not catch. It didn't matter. He didn't catch any passes. And he's got one of those matchups right now because Houston has just been deplorable against the run so far this year. So as a home favorite, it is a great spot. He's typically a guy I don't like to play or pay up for. Uh, but given this slate, there is, you know, there's still a chance I might not play him in cash, but uh, he's definitely. Definitely a guy I will monitor throughout the week to see how I want to play his situation because typically if these guys don't get in the box, they're not going to get there, especially when you pay up for them. So, I mean, he can even have 125 rushing yards. But if he ain't, if he's not going to catch a pass, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not going to get there for you. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'll monitor it throughout the week. We have a couple of the guys that are similar spots like this that I think are interesting pivots that are Derrick Henry-like. I think Jonathan Taylor is a guy like that mm-hmm. um, that we'll talk about. But uh, the one guy we didn't bring up was A.J. Brown, right? Because uh, he played on Tuesday and they never moved his pricing. And, you know, so his pricing couldn't move because they played. Oh, uh, five six is a pretty appealing price. Right. And, you know, he'll, you know, I've seen people talk about the, the Bradley Roby shadow coverage. Like, if Bradley okay. Roby's a dude moving you off of guys, then, like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Man. Get out like the game. <laughs> I mean, I, this is not to show you come to you for cornerback, you know, wide receiver matchups, right. anyways. We, we, we typically don't go down that rabbit hole very deeply. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, there's scoring upside here for A.J. Brown for the types of targets he gets. And he was a guy that crushed the Texans in both games last year. He played him. And, you know, granted, those aren't the games this year. But, you know, if Corey Davis is still on COVID IR this week or Adam Humphreys. Those guys don't come back. We've seen he's already only played two games this year, and he has eight and nine targets. Like the whole thing about A.J. Brown was how many targets is he going to get? If he can stay in that area for that type of pricing, he offers scoring upside. And we haven't even seen him turn like a long one into a house call yet in the two games he's played. So, I mean, he's kind of, you know, a, a glowing orb at his spot right now uh, because his pricing was just frozen uh, being locked into that game on Tuesday. I actually didn't notice that, honestly, uh, before I talked about him. I didn't realize – I forgot he was on the Tuesday night game. So, yeah, that's a good point. Is there anything to read into? The backup there got a, a decent amount of work there for Tennessee, but maybe that was because it was a Tuesday night, maybe because it was a short week, maybe it was a bit of a blowout. Is there any concern or – you think that's what Tennessee was thinking? Also, the COVID is stuff like any one of those things probably could have factored in, or maybe a combination of as far as Henry losing some touches. Any 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 concern there? Oh uh, no, McNichols. Um, five of his touches were when the team led by three scores. Five yeah. of his ten touches, and like I said, he has thirteen touches to Henry's one hundred and seven. And now we take away five of those in a blowout. So that tells you how much they still lean on Henry. So you want the touches. It's always easier to play Henry and those guys on FanDuel where we don't care really about the catches anyhow. Um, DK. I mean, that's still a tempting price, but it always comes down to game theory in those situations on DK. We got anything else or moving on? I think we're moving on. Detroit at Jacksonville, a, a, a DFS player's dream. Uh, minus three and a half is, is, the, is the Lions. Uh, 54 and a half is the total. Again, so another game high and tight as far as the, uh, you know, as far as the total. And as far as the uh, Vegas thinks this game's going to be fairly close. I saw something in the chat in there. I apologize. I lost it in the, in the stream. What's up, chat? Here on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. I do appreciate that. Thanks for watching. Uh, they're talking about Matthew Stafford there, Daigle. Uh, as a general rule, maybe it's a hangup, maybe it's a good thing, but I want the quarterbacks with legs. If I can have legs, 
Stafford, he has legs in theory, you know, literally, but like not <laughs> football. He doesn't have football legs is a problem. And he can get there by throwing for you know, 350 and four touchdowns, especially against his terrible, the aforementioned, uh, you know, Jacksonville defense. We got to start at Stafford, right? Nine air yards per attempt in Detroit's first two games. Kenny Galladay comes back, and then he's limited in that game against the Cardinals week three. And then week four plays his full allotment of snaps, and Stafford, no, with no coincidence, no surprise, throws for a season-high 11 air yards per attempt. So back to something similar to last year's air raid attack where he was top five in air yards per attempt. So, of course, this is the reason we played Deshaun Watson. He was a heavy cash game play last week because this Jaguars defense that was missing C.J. Henderson and Miles Jack and Josh Allen, the list goes on. And these guys, it's only Wednesday, of course, but those same guys have yet to practice on Wednesday, and we will have to keep watching their practice reports. So if they're out again, and even if they play and they're like somewhat limited, I think you could still confidently start Stafford. Now everyone's fully healthy after the bye week and hope that the offense is something similar to Bevel's scheme from last year. And Watson last week, of course, a season high 10.2 yards per attempt against this Jags defense. So yeah, we should have the utmost confidence in the world in this Lions offense. Rebar? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anyone playing the Jags, we want to we want to focus it on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're now they're 31st in passing defense EPA. Uh, they are 32nd in uh, yards for pass attempt allowed. They've got a number of starters uh, that are banged up or injured uh, that we have to monitor throughout the week and see if they miss time again. I mean, it's already a bad defense, and when you start removing players from a bad defense, it just gets worse. We've seen how the Falcons started the year when they kept having to lose pieces, and we saw that last week with the Jaguars. Um, the only concern here is you would probably worry about just if, you know, what this Lions team will look like in like a positive game script if they just give Adrian Peterson a bunch of carries yes. at some point and they play slow. <laughs> because, I mean, the Jaguars have just been like straight up dog walk the past three weeks by the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Texans, like three pretty bad teams themselves. And they haven't been, they haven't been remotely in, in any of those games. Uh, so, I mean, that would be your one concern, but the opportunity is here for Stafford to come right out of the bye, uh, kind of like Dale said, revert to being the kind of passer he was uh, a year ago and then to really push the ball downfield and get ahead uh, through the air. And, you know, we just need Minshew to kind of do his part and try to pace a little bit. There's some concern concern there because it hasn't happened the past three weeks. But And then, you know, we have the same spot that Brandon Cooks was in, we have with Marvin Jones. Yeah. Marvin Jones is third in the NFL in route rate per dropback at thirty at ninety seven percent. He's got twelve catches on the year. He's done nothing. He was like a a hot like not like a sleeper guy, but a guy everyone thought was undervalued because you know he get, kind of always gets there at the end of the year when you look up like Marvin Jones somehow got there. He goes through these laws. He has weeks where he's terrible and it's like the wide receiver sixty and he strung a bunch of those together. So maybe this will be a spot. But he's out there. He's out there running around. Uh, so I mean he's gonna be out there running around again in a spot we like. So it's another similar spot to where Brandon Cooks was except for you know we just didn't play Brandon Cooks the week before or uh, play Marvin Jones the week before and get scorned uh so I mean hey you know he only burned us the first two weeks and we chased him so we can go back and maybe he can make up for it now but I mean if you're looking to stack Stafford in that game and people are and they're looking to play Galladay and they probably will look to Hawkinson I mean no one's wanted to play Marvin Jones so far but this is a spot that kind of still kind of takes some swings so Rich mentioned it that 
we need the Jags to bring money to the table for this one to hit. But that's why I love this game for tournaments so much because it's, it seems to me like an either or situation because you don't have to squint to see it fail. Like uh, Pat Thorman from the established to run wrote up in his snaps column, uh, Jags run the second slowest offense in neutral game script and the 10th fewest combined plays. So there's a chance that perhaps this game doesn't get there despite everyone already talking about it this week. So that's what that's, those are the games we love in tournaments though, because even if the total continues increasing, and we can see easily easy approaches and ways this game fails, then you can just also get off this one. It's interesting. I'm looking at the chat, and it sort of speaks to how DFS players have, have become sharper. And we mentioned the name Will Fuller earlier. And, uh, you know, last year there he had like four or five or six terrible games in a row. And then all of a sudden he was a super chalky play. And it's like everybody was on it because the spot was amazing. And he had all those yards. And he had like two or three touchdowns and 200 yards. And people in the chat, we got ripples in the waves talking about Marvin Jones being a good GBP play. And yeah, I was on him week one. I was on him week two, and he's been a disaster even since then. He was not terrible necessarily, but he's, I think he's progressively getting worse. But, you know, it's all about this week and this week only, and he's well-positioned this week. And, like, the same thing with Cooks. We saw, we saw it last week where, you know, there was, what, 15% of the field still played him after the donut because, you know, the spot was still good despite the fact he failed the previous week. What happened last week is not necessarily going to happen this week is an important thing to note, but – Rebar, here's my concern, and maybe I'm overthinking it. And, yes, that Stafford to Galladay combination is an awesome tournament play. It's going to be pretty popular as far as pairings go. Uh, Jacksonville runs at the 32nd pace in the league, so they are the slowest team in all of football. Detroit's 31st when it comes to DVOA against the run. My concern is, like, Stafford and Galladay's going to be chilling on the sidelines. I know Jacksonville's not known for ripping off, like, eight-minute drives, but, but why, why can we not see? Why is it not plausible that we can have like a you know 12 play Robinson run, Robinson run, Robinson run that lasts like 10 minutes and all my dudes are sitting on the sideline? Am I just over, I'm overthinking it here or what? I mean, you just have to hope that the Lions lose the toss and they get the ball first <laughs> uh, because opponents have scored on 61% of their possessions against the Jaguars, which is by far the highest rate in the league. So they go out and they get a lead. Uh, and you take it and, and you go there because I mean, Robinson is still he's an in- interesting play because the matchup obviously is telling you, like, hey, this is a, a team you can run on. They're oh, yeah. giving up, uh, you know, a ton of points to running backs, the league high 22.3 rushing points per game. Robinson has had his role extended. I mean, in we talk about how bad they've been losing games, and he's still the last two weeks has what 21 touches, 18 touches. His routes run have gone up the past two weeks. Uh, through three weeks, he was at 11 routes, 13 routes, 14 routes. He's been at 24 routes and 21 routes the past two games. Chris Thompson is still there running routes too, but it's extended for him. So he's been involved in the past game a little bit. We've seen that extend. I mean, he's he's a guy you can, I think, take some shots on. I don't think that necessarily he's in a spot that I typically like to play in cash if they're going to be trailing by a lot, but he's definitely a, a run back option here in that game, especially if you're wrong about it. Cause the, the inversely it can play as well too. I mean, if somehow, you know, the Jaguars are a live dog and they're running well, you know, it puts, you know, Stafford and those guys in a position to maybe point chase and you're getting more dropbacks out of those guys. Um, and we'll see what happens uh, with that. And then, you know, if you want to take a shot, I mean, obviously I think LaVisca Chenault will be kind of, intriguing you know based on his last two games he now leads the team in targets and receptions now in the season um the only problem with Chenault I think is where you can get cookie jar is he does not have an end zone target on the season yet um so I mean he's he's a guy that's been giving you like usable games to where you would want to start him like a season-long league or put him in a flex spot or for your bye week guys but from a you know a DFS stance of popping you know over a salary like you need touchdowns and, um, you know, granted, he could just break the seal. He hasn't had one yet. So doesn't mean he can't get one in the future. But, you know, no end zone targets. Is, uh, we want to see our guys get the rock in the end zone. 
Uh, Robinson actually hit season highs and targets and target share last week as well. The only issue is Jacksonville, the scheme they're running under Jay Gruden, this fast paced first read offense, six different guys have 20 targets. So that's the only concern here. It's like really spread out. And like, that's why I would just hate myself and roster Chris Conley and not watch the game. If DJ shark (laughs) is out, even though, even though I expect DJ shark (laughs) to play, but I'm just saying like Chris Conley is absolutely an option. They also they've run they've run 19 plays inside the 10 yard line this year and they have two runs. Oh. Did, does that include the James Robinson fumble when he's trying to throw the ball from last week? <laughs> <laughs> that was rough, man. It's a rough play call. <laughs> I lost points on that fumble, and that's why. Right. So it's like one of those situations, um, like Olamidi, for instance, who we'll probably talk about later. But it's just like flop lag, right? Where he was the correct play last week, he did not get there, and now, although he still seems like a very good play, more people will be off of him. So I don't know if I'll roster James Robinson at the end of this week, but right now I do think he's a good play. So what about Minshew? They're just throwing the ball inside the, the 20, inside the 5, inside the 10 every single time. Uh, you know, look, all fantasy points count. <laughs> Style points don't matter. doesn't matter when you score him, when, no matter what the scoreboard is. Uh, he's certainly so clearly like, you know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick in training. You know, he's grooming for the next 15 years or whatever it may be. Uh, how do we feel about Minshew? Rebar, are you in or are you out? I'm pretty hesitant just because when I was on, we were talking, I was talking to this game earlier uh, with Joel Hoka and, you know, he had brought up, you know, just Minshew's career stats against man versus zone and how the lions mm. are one of the man- most man heavy teams. Granted, they are bad. Uh, they're a bad man coverage team. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> um, you know, Minshew's career splits are uh, versus man versus zone are like very night and day and very alarming. So we'll see how those play out. Um, but he is, uh, you know, he's been like a safe floor guy. You know, he's been kind of doing these guys that just kind of gets you as like, he's like never a top 10 QB, but like never outside of the top 15. He just kind of like stays like right in that plateau. Um, he's a re- he's another guy too. He doesn't really run around as much as we kind of were hoping he was as he did last yeah. year either, but he's kind of one of those just like solid floor play guys, uh, which is I think tough to play in DFS for the reasons we've talked about. It's just that quarterbacks have been getting so over that your 20 points at the position when you have to pay for it, aren't necessarily as great right now as they were in years past. Yeah, uh, to your point, 21 fantasy points per game in the four games with G.J. Shark. The issue is 21 points this year is not the same as 21 points last year. So it's just, it's like just kind of tough. Is average. Derek Carr is like reeling off 20 points a week. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's like crazy. where we are. <laughs> he, he was great last week from a oh, fantasy fantastic. perspective there against Kansas City. And it's weird. He's look at that score. It's like, why didn't the Kansas City skill players do like do things? But like, it, it's a weird box score there for Casey. Outside of Kelsey, I think Kelsey had a big game. That's them, though, man. Like, yeah. I mean, we're granted we're, we don't have to dive into the Chiefs, but that's their offense. Like a lot of people think like Tyree Kill is like a boomer bust player. Like Tyree Kill is like a floor touchdown dependent player. Mm-hmm. You look at like his past like year year and a half playing football. Tyree Kill is like a great like four to five catch guy, but he's got three hundred yard games. Like over his past Ooh, thirteen, over his past thirteen games played, like he's a guy that gets there on touchdowns and getting like four to five yards and like or four to five catches and like seventy five yards. It's like where Tyree kills like wheelhouse has been. They spread the ball around. Um, it's they're they're not like they're for like individual pieces outside of Kelsey because the position he plays. Like they don't drop a lot of hammers. We got anything else as far as this game, or shall we move on? I think we we'll covered it. I <laughs> uh, do want to mention the link is actually in chat right now. If you guys want to get $5 off your first month of RG's core four premium, feel free to click that link. That's a uh, football, baseball, basketball, and golf. 
as far as the core four. Feel free to check that out. Uh, they were asking about and chat about the ownership projections. That's something you can get, of course, as well. Uh, they're not out just yet. They're asking about Mixon's ownership. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's out. At least I checked before the show. Uh, I have the lineup HQ and probably drops in the morning or sometime later on this evening. But again, you know, we're recording this just on a Wednesday night. All right, Green Bay, Tampa, 54 and a half is the total. Is that right? Green Bay is a one-point favorite in Tampa. Is that a weird number? Is that just – do I think that's strange? I think it's strange. I, I feel like Tampa should be a slight favorite. Is that wrong, uh, Daniel? Is that correct? Uh, it's, it's correct. I was curious if anyone had a lean on the over here because, like, I have a I have that gut-burning intuition feeling of an over and, like, perhaps Tampa Bay's team total. But there's still a lot to sort out. This is a weird game because I don't care about Green Bay being undefeated. Um, but Green Bay's offense has been very good. And we have to wait and see how the Bucks injuries shift out because yeah. there's, there's just a lot going on with their injury report right now. To be honest, I pulled that number from the RG lineups page as far as just team totals. So maybe there's not an official line in Vegas because Evans and Godwin are currently questionable. Even Scotty Miller, speaking of running laps or uh, whatever, doing exercising every bar. <laughs> there's your, he's on team exercise for sure. At least he was last week. Uh, what do you have for me as far as Tampa? And like, you know, what we're talking about, it's hard to project because as of right now, what's the story with Evans? We don't know. Godwin, same deal. Even Miller is questionable. Uh, you know, I don't know how to analyze this when we have no uh, incomplete information, but fire away, do your best. I mean, the way Evans has kind of been on the trajectory, I would assume that he's playing. He's kind of done this every week, you know, been not practiced early in the week and then comes back late rallies, plays, you know, kind of banged up. Um, I'm kind of interested in the over here too. Um, we'll talk about it, you know, in a second why I think that Tampa Bay is a hard team though in these types of games for, for reasons that we kind of discussed with the Chiefs though like um we've seen it against the Chargers where Brady throws five touchdowns and they go to five different guys I think that there's a lot of that going on in that offense where it's kind of patriotish that's what Brady's brought to the table like I don't I think it's gonna be a situation where uh it oscillates you know who, who's like the guy for Tampa that hits or if it's a game where it's spread out I think that that's kind of offense they're operating in in this year um, Mike Evans, you talked about John U. Smith and like his potential aggression. Well, I mean, Mike Evans, like he's just living in the paint. Uh, 42% of his PPR points are just from touchdowns alone. In the two games that he's played at Chris Godwin, he's got three catches for three touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, we're probably, we won't see that, uh, you know, happen and be sticky. I think he'll definitely have more catches than just touchdowns, but we haven't seen him really, you know, involved. And that could be part of the, you know, the reason like we talked about where it just gets spread around and matchups kind of dictate that definitely in week one when he was injured and, you know, Marshall Lattimore and he have always had like this rivalry, uh, maybe some targets didn't go there, but, you know, even in the Denver game where he actually had a good positive, you know, matchup, if you go by that, you know, the cornerback individual matchups and he only had the two catches, but they were, you know, in the paint and, you know, he's catching short touchdowns too. Uh, so they're getting him involved on in design plays there. Um, but the Bucks just might be one of those teams that are like that. When you see if Leonard Fournette plays because, you know, Ronald Jones has been really good the past two weeks, you know, without Leonard Fournette as a tackle breaker uh, still has issues, you know, in the passing game and things that he almost had a drop and a touchdown reception on one play. That's like the story of Ronald Jones. Uh, he's, he's clearly talented and he, the, for all the negatives that he has, like he makes plays where you can see like why you'd want to invest in this guy and live through some of the dry spells. But then he does like weird things, uh, you know, off and on that you just are just like, yeah, that's pretty head scratching. Um, 
But yeah, the, the, the when I look at the Bucks side, I think that they definitely can get there on this Packers team. So the Packers team is scoring so many points. I don't think that the Bucks are going to be a team that even slows them down, uh, as we've seen even with the a couple weeks ago against the Chargers. Because what the Bucks do is they stop the run well, and that's kind of what we don't want to do. You probably rather have the Packers running on you right now than Rodgers throwing the ball, especially with mm-hmm. Monte Adams coming back. The way Rodgers has been playing, um, I think you'd want to invite more teams to run the football on you than than, than having Rodgers. Just drop back and throw it a bunch of times, um, but yeah, that's kind of where like the starting point is. Is looking at it, you know, more from a Packers perspective because the Buck side is, like you said, really hard to figure out. We don't talk season long much on this show, but <laughs> just but Mike Evans is like a clear sell high personally to me, just because like twenty two percent target share in three games with Chris Godwin, and then eleven percent in the two games without. And as Rich said, he's averaging a touchdown every six targets and a <laughs> touchdown every four catches. It's just like insane efficiency right now. He had those two one yard touchdowns in Denver. I think it was two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Five touchdowns and 22 catches or something like that. Yeah, uh, most likely that's not going to be, the, uh, you know, that's a, that's hard to project going forward to stay the same. Uh, Devontae Adams, we can project. He was practicing today, so I presume he's going to start uh, this week at Tampa. He is the, the raw uh, raw points, the top wide receiver. I think Daigle confirmed tonight. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is Megatron compared to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, uh, Devontae Adams, remember, against the Saints before the bye, week four, um, he was ruled out, and he tweeted furiously. He was pissed the team didn't <laughs> let him play and then deleted it because he was good to go personally. And so they held him out another two weeks. So we're basically getting Devontae Adams on 21 days of rest, who practiced in full on Wednesday. Didn't just practice, was 100% healthy. And from week nine, when he returned from injury last year, through week one, which was the last game he played fully healthy, he saw double-digit tar- targets in 10 of those 11 contests. Their two playoff games included. And has not seen a target share under 22 percent his target share dipped below 30 percent in only three of those games so i mean not only the pay-up spot but man anywhere you go with the bucks or the packers he i can just imagine him being in every single one of my lineups this week yeah uh rebar i assume you're on board with adams as well yeah, because like I said, I mean, you've got a pass funnel defense, and we'll see how the injury to Vita Vey impacts, you know, how well that they stop the run. But we're in a similar spot to where the Packers were a couple weeks ago against the Saints, only against a better run D, and Rodgers was incredible without Devontae Adams. And now Alan Lazard isn't going to play. So there's even more, you know, opportunity for him until someone steps up and really threatens him. Uh, I don't know if Big Bob Tanyan's that guy to really threaten Devontae Adams' target share. I would assume it's not as good as, you know, Big Bob was in that last Monday night game we've seen. And, you know, when you look at wide receiver ones against Tampa Bay, even, you know, as good as, you know, Carlton Davis has played, I mean, Keenan Allen still had eight catches against them. Allen Robinson still had 10 catches last week against them. Robbie Anderson had nine catches against them. I mean, there's still opportunity there, especially if we're going to get a lot of dropbacks. And like I said, the way Rodgers is playing this year, um, he's, he's looked so great, even without Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, he didn't play two week games without Devontae Adams, play a game without Lazard and like a skeleton crew. And it was a granted, it was, yeah, he's had a light schedule and, but he has not looked like the Aaron Rodgers we have had since 2014. Um, he's kind of really turned back and turned back that clock. Um, in a sense, and he's just been phenomenal. He's playing great football. And if we're going to get that quality of Aaron Rodgers, with Devontae Adams, you know, I'm kind of all in as well uh, because people, he hasn't played. People are not worried about his health. And then people want, people have been talking about this Carlton Davis kid. So people are going to see that too and maybe lock in. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, I am in. I'm not, I think this game is a shot to go over. I just wish, like I said, I had more clarity on the Buck side uh, because Tom Brady's brought his, you know, Patriots way, you know, kind of to that offense. No offense to people who write about cornerback wide receiver matchups, but imagine not playing Devontae Adams because Carlton Davis. Imagine. I mean, I think it, it's kind of like BBP with baseball. I think it's something. It's not nothing, but I think a lot of people overvalue it. Like it's one. It's one of the ten components or whatever number of components to like consider and factor. But it's it's yeah, the corner. So it's the boring. cloud in the puzzle piece that doesn't matter. You can't <laughs> you can't find it on the table because it's just mixed in with white. And colors. if you believe this game is going to get there, we you know we've t- hinted upon you know just how good the Bucks' run D has been, and they they're phenomenal. Um, but they give up a ton of work in the passing game out of the backfield. So, I mean, Aaron Jones is a guy mm-hmm. who can catch the ball, and people aren't going to want to play him because they're going to see that, you know, little number next to his, you know, uh, you know, a poor matchup. And I don't think he's a cash game play either. But, I mean, he could could be a guy that, you know, if we believe this game's going to get there, he can catch the ball. And we obviously know he's got some of the most immense touchdown potential of any running back on any slate. Uh, Jamal Williams outsnapped Aaron Jones in week four, but it literally didn't matter. Uh, Aaron Jones was still the RB7 on the entire week because he's just always uber efficient with his catches. 100% catch rate, five catches with 40 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones had a 14% target share in week one with Devontae Adams. And then the last two games with Devontae, without Devontae Adams also had a 14% target share. So like, I don't imagine he's the one whose target share dips. Like Rich said, it makes it easier for DFS than season long, right? Because they jacked up Bob Tanyan's price to where like we can't even pay for him but even if that wasn't the case like he's the guy I was fading anyhow uh in those first two games with Devontae Adams he totaled three targets and a 4.2 percent target share and then the last two games 11 targets a 17 percent target share so to me he's the one who goes here and then I would be interested in Rodgers Adams and Aaron Jones and then running it back with you know ex-Bucks player depending on who it You got me? Yep. Oh, I lost audio for a second. I'm, I assume uh, everybody's still good to go. No, Just a, Sorry, a uh, Silver no walked in on the phone with the beer mid-podcast. So, yeah. You can't, you can't <laughs> up, control Silver? everything in life. Wait, he's not one holding thing, a giant jug of water? One quick note uh, on the... Yeah. One quick note on the Jamal Williams thing. So you know, the weird, the reason his snaps came out funky. So he always spells uh, Aaron Jones for a drive. And what happens is he also always plays in the two minute offense. So those two drives ended up butting against each other. This, that, that Monday night game where he was in the spell drive and then they got the ball back and were in the two minute drill with a minute 40 left. So he got the, he had like two, he had like an extra possession that he typically gets. And it's always exaggerated on Island games, right? The same thing as Tanya's performance. Everyone, it always lingers in your brain a little bit more and no one can think straight because it was highlighted to the world. Is Aaron Jones hurt? Is Aaron Jones hurt? Why is he not in the game? <laughs> that, that's, always he's good. that's the only answer. Aaron <laughs> Jones is just flat. Good. He, that's the the problem is you're paying workhorse prices for a guy that's not a workhorse. But like you said, he's super efficient. But I don't know if you can rely on that efficiency every single game. It's a little, it's a thinner route, but he's still awesome. And by the uh, way, just a callback to how terrible tight end is this week. You guys mentioned Tanyan. He's the sixth most expensive tight end on DK. Life comes at you fast. Second most expensive exactly. tight end on Vandal. Just, just insane. That tight end is so bad. Give me a flex spot instead of a tight end. Give me two flex spots. Who who says no? Just play Irv Smith and go away. Just don't watch your lineup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I why I just create. There you go. Some site do that. Give give us two flex throughout the tight end. Just like in baseball, I don't know why I'm talking baseball. They, they get rid of the catch, the catcher some places. Let's start, turn that to a flex spot. All right, good to go. Uh, anything else as far as Green Bay? Uh, we're moving on. Do they kind of like the position by position? I believe so. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, Rich hit on it, but. 
you just have to look for Leonard Fournette. I think he'll be back in these past two games. Ronald Jones has, has received 46 of Tampa Bay's 55 running back touches. But again, with Leonard Fournette back and LaShawn McCoy suddenly limited at practice, uh, let's just wait and find out. All right, quarterbacks this week. The quarterbacks we have not talked about. Uh, Lamar? Why is Lamar not getting a ceiling game? He Also, he didn't run that much last game. Is there something to it? Is there some sort of correlation? He had a – I know he was ill, and he also had some sort of a – I think it was a knee injury they were saying during practice. He was limited. He did practice in full on that Friday, but didn't run that much. Um, but we haven't had that, like, distinct, like, Lamar game we were used to, kind of spoiled by last year. There was some regression projected just because he was just out of this world. Uh, are we back on Lamar? Is it going to happen this week, Rebar? I didn't see today, but he was something I wanted to try to earmark it, and then I lost. I fell out of the pocket there. He was he was full today, not even on the injury report. Okay, because that was one of the things last week is he popped up at the end of the week and didn't practice until Friday, and then he didn't run, and it was like, all right, well, what's the story here? You know, yeah, he, uh, he, a season high in pass attempts last week, yeah. Yeah, and, and a career low in rushing, rushing attempts and rushing yardage. Uh, you know, two carries, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, and the, you know, the lack of designed runs obviously were there. So it was one of those when you're watching the, when you're watching it and checking in, it's like, well, how much was this game plan related to his scare? And I wanted to see his practice, but him healthy and practicing definitely gives you more of a positive sign. The ceiling hasn't been there. Part of the problem is too, is that these teams aren't pacing them and he, he laid the egg against the chiefs, but mm-hmm. also the other games, like they've just kind of cruised. They've kind of cruised through. So it's not like he's had an opportunity to really be challenged, really press the issue either, um, because that's how regression happens. I mean, he wasn't just going to light everyone up this year for five touchdowns and, you know, uh, nine yards for attempt and, you know, a, a 9% touchdown rate. Like that wasn't going to happen. We knew those things were going to come down. So we were hoping he would be in some more combative game scripts to kind of keep his dropbacks going. And he had the dropbacks last week, but, you know, they just, I don't know what the story was with the, the relationship between his phantom injury and unknown injury and him not being game planned and to run the ball. So we'll see. I mean, he's probably not a guy I'm going to go to just because I've been a little, just a little hesitant on that to see it out. But I mean, if you can get advantage of it, you always can with Lamar because we know it exists, the rushing component. Um, I was on him that week against Washington and he still, he got there. It wasn't a super smash though, but uh I don't know. I mean, maybe I need to rethink it more throughout the week when you see him practice in full. That's the thing here, though, is that there's really not a lot of places to pay up at quarterback. So you either go contrarian and do it there, or you go down to the dumps, which I'm totally fine with as well. Um, this is a really good quarterback week. Like you had mentioned earlier, Dean, this slate was odd, Like, but it's a really good one where you can pay down and be confident because anyone can match anyone practically, it feels like, in this slate. When you say pay down and be confident and be in the dumps, I feel like you're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Jets. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, that's a good matchup, but that that's actually not who I'm talking about. Uh, you know, I only have the numbers from these past four games since the season opener. He played in Foxborough, and it was a three-pick dud. But in the past four games, he's been a QB1 every single week. Smashed last week. I believe he finished as the QB3 after Ryan Tannehill was a QB1 or two on the entire week. Fitzpatrick is a good option, although eight-point favor I believe over the Jets last time I looked makes it more of a Miles Gaskin game who we'll talk about in a bit um I like let's talk about the game environment we all want to discuss and I think Kirk Cousins Uh, is in a similar situation to Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and who in this analogy is Alexander Madison last week because the public and ownership throughout the week got very high 
um, on pivoting off CDH in tournaments because he was going to be so high rostered in cash games and tournaments. Um, and that seems to be the pivot this week because you need everything to go right, but everything could go right against this awful Falcon secondary that's allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And in this situation, Cousins, Thielen, and Jefferson are practically Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. And that also gets you off and gets you leverage away from Alexander Madison tournaments. It could happen, but you also need Matt Ryan to basically be not be unusable like he's been the past three weeks. So I think you need Julio Jones there as well. And on Wednesday, Julio Jones didn't practice. So a lot of moving pieces, but as the week goes on, and if Julio Jones shows up, I think Kirk Cousins is going to become a pretty popular option in tournaments to get off of Alexander Madison. So uh, a couple of things as far as this game. Uh, I like to play a game. Like I like to try to guess what games you guys are going to feature, the three games we're going to talk about. I thought this okay. would be on the board. I thought, did it just miss? I feel like it just missed Atlanta. We Atlanta talked about the Falcons last week, and yeah. this week was the lottery ticket where I beat Rich to the email, our, <laughs> our very fancy show doc that everyone knows about, that all we do is just email each other. I'm mid-run, and I look at my email, and I just send somebody the games. Um, I mean, as long as Matt Ryan is playing without Julio Jones, like it's hard to believe that they're going to do bust their up. part. Yeah, it's bust <laughs> Uh, 54 and a half total in a dome. Minnesota's got a 30 point projection where I'm assuming we're kind of the assumption that cook's not going to play this week. And the yeah. thing is, you know, we talk about team totals all the time, but understanding the pie and how things are split up and Minnesota is very, very clear. It's like old school Pittsburgh. Like, you, you know yeah. where everything's going. It's going to go to presumably Madison is going to get a big chunk and he's basically going to be cook as far as I'm concerned, maybe 90% of however you want to talk about it. Thielen and then Jefferson is interesting as well too, but that's basically it. Uh, but my issue is, Rebar, uh, Minnesota, especially if they're up and they're projected to be up in Atlanta, right. I know they changed their whole regime. If they had their druthers, they would just run the ball 40 times and, like, like Cousins just hand it off all day. And, I, I mean, I, you'll tilt your face off if you had, like, we've seen Cousins throw the ball, like, 14 times some games. That just happens. And I don't want that for my quarterback. And he can't run either. He has no legs. So what's my out? Yeah, 20, yeah, 27 or fewer pass attempts in every game but one. He actually had, and then it was the second half of the game when they got challenged, they finally started throwing uh, against Seattle when Seattle fought back. But at first half of that game, it was a nightmare. You mm-hmm. know, where, where Seattle had like three possessions. Oh, and we were just dying. I was watching that game. Just, I'm super death tilt. Just especially, you know, I'm in a main event team that too has, that has a Russ DK stack, and I was waiting for that to get going. Um, so we need the Falcons to do their part. We just do in that game. But I think from a leverage stance, like Daigle's 110 spot spot on though. Like it's a clear leverage play, and you run it back with Ridley because he's the only guy you could trust. Yep. And we talked about it with Zacchaeus last week when people were on the play. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there was more to the play than just Zacchaeus being good. But there was a reason. When you look at Zacchaeus's line from two weeks ago, and it was eight for 86, but then you combined Ridley's zero and Russell Gage's 22, like that was improbable again to happen. And then we seen them just jam a bunch of targets to Ridley again, and Zacchaeus went bye-bye. Um, that's what we're kind of, you know, contingent on, you know, and I don't think there's reason that the Vikings are going to really slow him down either, uh, you know, from getting targets. So I think it is a great spot for Ridley to get jammed with targets. He was healthy last week and, you know, bounced back uh, in that regard of, you know, running routes. It was up again, still below where he was the start of the season, but way up over that Monday night game. Um, but I think Daigle's spot on though. That's the, the clear leverage play. Calvin Ridley has become Julio in this span. Russell Gage has not become Calvin Ridley in this span. No. So it's no, no. Uh, it's pretty easy. I don't know if Rich has any more. My only other one is Cam Newton, who's not injured. He was sick. He'll be back at practice reportedly on Thursday. So he's going to play this game. And he was averaging the seventh most fantasy points among all quarterbacks and has only six fewer carries than Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, despite 
despite playing two fewer games. And best of all, you don't have to stack them either. If you're struggling at quarterback, don't believe in any of the guys available this week, just want the rushing floor, that's okay. You play him by himself, and then you figure out the rest of your lineup. So we mentioned Zacchaeus. I know we're not on receivers, but I just figured that's worth throwing out there, Rebar. Uh, Jeff Smith is still 3K on DK. <laughs> Jeff he, had a, Smith. He, had a, he had 11 targets last week, a bunch of air yards. Of course, they're coming from Flacco, so understand that. Maybe efficiency won't be there. Uh, the the, the uh, Another exercise guy, another team exercise, Hogan, I believe, is going to be out for a while. He hit the IR, I want to say. IR, high ankle sprain. Yeah, Perriman may be back. We'll see. Uh, Mims might be back too. Mims was activated. Too. Oh, okay. So then that would throw away Jeff Smith. Well, just what you just have to watch it, David. Like Mims is eligible to practice, but I don't think they activated him. Is that what it was? I can't. Yeah, remember. Uh, he, yeah, correct. He's just still on IR. We don't know, and it's it's Adam Gase. Like we don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> he played P Ryan zero snaps. Like I, we don't know what he's going to do. No. Well. <laughs> he it's did wild. cut Bell for what it's worth. Like uh, uh, I, I have played much worse players in what much worse situations than Jeff Smith and DFS. I, I just <laughs> close my eyes and play guys based on the numbers. I don't care at all, but man, 23 yards and 11 targets from Joe Flacco is something special <laughs> that that may even make me turn the other way, to be honest. But again, if I tell you, you're getting 11, targets, I'm not telling at minimum, you, for 3K, you take it. You at take minimum. It. You are right. I know. Yeah. I can't tell you that for the record, but in theory, if I could, I, I would play him. Uh, do we have any thoughts not enough as far sex as... there. A guy named Jeff Smith just doesn't do it for me, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a janitor somewhere. No offense I need to a proof of life. I don't think he's a real person. I don't think he exists. <laughs> he's just in the box score. Um, Atlanta regime changes. Is that anything to factor in here, Rebar, or just kind of like stay tuned? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's still Dirk Cutter calling, calling plays. Mm-hmm. So, And like know. last time Raheem Morse was a head coach, it did not go well, so. I mean, nothing I don't think changes offensively to how they're approaching things where it was, there was a Houston shakeup in, like, play calling. It's, it's still dirt cutter. Gonna, I think they're going to come out and do what they do. Uh, Daigle, uh, Madison is, what, 7.2K on DK. I think he's 7K on Fandle. Uh, that's a fair price. And I know there might be some sticker shock for some people, but and then not the point that Mike Davis and seeing what he's doing, and he's basically giving you CMC for, like, 30% off, whatever it is. And this is kind of sort of what Cook would be as far as his price. But the matchup is nice here against Atlanta, especially from a passing perspective, receptions out of the backfield. Uh, we like this atmosphere. We expect they want to run the ball if they had their druthers there in Minnesota. So uh, are you concerned at all that it's not Cook? And if it's Madison, he's basically going to get the Cook role, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would imagine so. Um, I know people have mentioned Mike Boone, but like Madison outtouched Mike Boone 23 to 2. Mike, Mike Boone isn't a factor here, although I do think he's actually still the better player. So if Dalvin Cook is out and with Minnesota's bye this upcoming week, I would expect the team to hold their cards close to their vest, not release anything, but still not allow Cook to practice. And then like on Saturday or whatever, say, oh, Cook's inactive. Surprise, you're still going to beat the winless Falcons like by 40 points. So if Dalvin Cook is out, I'm still playing Alexander Madison everywhere. I fully expect him to have that role. And then, yeah, like I said, in tournaments though, there's still nothing wrong with leveraging yourself off of Alexander Madison. But in cash games, if Cook is out, 100%. That's where I'm going. Yeah, Reba, your thoughts as far as Madison? I do want to say you said the sites priced them up, uh, DK priced them up, Fandle priced them up. He's fourteen bucks on Yahoo. That's four dollars above <laughs> the floor. Uh, I don't know how you don't play him. I mean, I suppose if you're yeah. MMEing, you can get off it a little bit, but that's an amazing price. Uh, he should be at least double that price. And I don't know if you guys play at Yahoo yeah. much, but that's a really, really good price for Madison. And it's just a lock and load in cash, not even a conversation. For fun, I ran a bunch of optimals on Yahoo. And he was at 100 percent because, like, of course, he's at 100 percent at 14 dollars. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Rebar, as far as Madison? Yeah, and that's what you, know. you have to remember too. Even when a guy is chalky, 
like remember even if a guy's 35 percent or like you can always go 100 you can always hit that lock button <laughs> it's and all and goofy things happen unfortunately injuries uh, but yeah it's uh, the the math it's it's so hard from the miss outside of like an injury that's you and you know dalvin cook's target share has been uh double digits in two of the past three games so like you can also go cousins and madison if you want and then bring it back with Ridley. Like, there are other ways to play it and still get Ridley in your lineup. Uh, Rebar, what do you have for me as far as other running backs? I guess Davis, you mentioned in passing. He's still too cheap, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a little mini McCaffrey. I mean, he's had, what, 91, 111, 149 yards. He has 30 catches over the past four games. Um, just really locked in. That scheme, you know, that's the, that's the scheme, is getting him the ball and then the receiving game. And we talked about them last week just their lack of depth at the position and he's not coming off the field. Uh, he's actually getting paid by the bears still, which is kind of fun in this game. He's actually on their 20. He's the, they're not paying him. He's just on their books. He, they've already paid him. Uh, so that's kind of fun too. In that game, uh, the bears can be run on a little bit too. They, they are beatable on the ground. They're mid pack and rushing points allowed, uh, but just the amount of touches and receiving work um, I'm with you again. I mean, granted he does have a touchdown in every game, um, but that's kind of what McCaffrey is doing still too, catching a bunch of passes and getting the box. Uh, so no problem with him. I think he's still fine. His counterpart, I mean, listen, no one wants to play David Montgomery. I get it. I, I mean, I don't want to click the David Montgomery button. <laughs> he's he's not fun on any level. But since Street Cohen's been out, he's played 86 and 82% of the team snaps. He has 100% of the backfield touches. He's run 35 and 31 pass routes. He is playing a Panthers team that tricked us for one week because they stopped Kenyon Drake, or maybe Kenyon Drake stopped himself like he has in every matchup. Uh, But then they allowed the ghost of Todd Gurley to have his first 100-yard rushing game in 21 regular season games last week. They're right back uh, to giving up running back points. They're not going to have Kwan Short, who was put on IR uh, for the rest of the season. Brian Burns might not play. I know no one wants to play Dave Montgomery, but he's in a true bell cow role in a great matchup. The only thing he doesn't have going for him is they're not at home. But uh, he's so cheap, man. Dave Montgomery is so cheap. I know I, he's really hard for me not to like just gravitate towards, except for the fact his name is Dave Montgomery. <laughs> Ron, Ronald Jones run for, ran for a hundred yards last Thursday night. Uh, meanwhile, David Montgomery averaged 2.9 yards per carry yet. David Montgomery outscored Ronald Jones on DraftKings because his passing game opportunity has become elite with 14 targets. Now back-to-back games with career highs and targets since Tariq Cohen went out. It's like, Dave Montgomery is never in the smash spot because his name is David Montgomery and he can't break any tackles. But like if there ever was a, if there was ever an eruption spot, like this is it for David Montgomery. Daigle, I know you're excited before you teased it. Let's talk about Miles Gaskin. So Miles Gaskin was already a war, workhorse, not a bell cow, because Jordan Howard is in his way. 21 touches in two of Miami's last three games and an increasing snap rate. Then Jordan Howard surprise, surprisingly healthy scratched, and Miles Gaskin got season high five touches inside the 10-yard line and the team's only carry inside the five-yard line. And now this team is eight-point favorites over the Jets. So, of course, I want Miles Gaskin because they're not going to get Matt Breida or Patrick Laird involved. Like, maybe Lynn Bowden will sprinkle in for a couple carries, but it doesn't matter. This is still Miles Gaskin's backfield. He was practically getting high-end RB2 usage despite barely being an RB2. So, you can see that positive regression coming from a mile away now that he's also the team's touchdown runner. So, yeah, I, I love of Miles Gaskin this week. Like, I understand Dave Montgomery and Miles Gaskin in 100% of lineups <laughs> is never going to excite you, but like, they are in such good spots. 
that's the theme of the week, though. Your, your lineups are just not going to excite you. I pulled up a sports book on the fly, by the way, just a, that conversation about Green Bay and Tampa. Tampa is currently, it's alive. You can bet it. Tampa is a one-point dog. Uh, and you mentioned that Miami line. I think it was eight earlier and not too long ago. It's currently nine and a half. So not so catching on. Yeah. nobody wants to bet the Jets. And somebody <laughs> tell me the last time the Dolphins were nine and a half point favorites against anybody. Like, honestly, when was that last time? I and I mean, look at Miles Gaskin. Like, just paint the environment. Don't even think about his name as being Miles Gaskin. It's nine and a half point home favorite running back. Just just run him out there. Yeah, with a high target share. <laughs> with, yeah, with an extremely high target share. Is he the most interesting Miles this week? Because we do have a Miles Garrett revenge game of some sort. I don't know what you want to call that, but that'll be interesting. I, I do love Miles Garrett trying to murder a man, and then Kareem Hunt coming out this week and saying, "This one's for him. This one's for Miles Garrett." <laughs> Football players, man, they'll get, they'll just find that chip on their shoulder. Everything they love right, having that chip. Backs. <laughs> Rich, you got some running backs for me. Uh, one last guy I just wanted to, I touched on earlier. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I get it. No one wants to play Jonathan Taylor. They've been scorned. Uh, he hasn't looked objectively, you know, subjectively great at all. He's not breaking tackles. Uh, he's ahead of just, you know, Kenyon Drake and Adrian Peterson in missed tackle rate per touch. But, you know, on a positive note, he did play 56% of the snaps last week in a game. The Colts trailed throughout. It was his highest snap share since week two. Uh, He's he, we know he's got the goal line carries. The only problem is, yeah, the receiving is probably not there. But the spot is a spot you would look to play a guy like John Taylor. They're a seven point home favorite. The Cincinnati defense that's 25th in rushing points allowed per game to backfields. They just lost DJ Reader for the season. Geno Atkins came back and only played 19 snaps. He played pretty sparingly. I mean, I know no one wants to play John Taylor. He was a hot guy that he didn't get there for a lot of people, but. Uh, I just think the spot is something that you should look at and say, like, yeah, I can, you know, swallow my pride and, and hold my nose and say, like, if he's going to get there, it's going to be in a spot like this. Because he's actually played, you know, matchups that were not great the past three weeks. When you look at the teams that he played, I mean, the Browns have been good against the run, against everybody they face. They just got a huge on the Jets and really didn't run at all. Um, and then I'm, I'm missing the game uh, off the top of my head that I'm grasping for in between that Browns game and Jets game. Um, but he did a, you know, there, there's 20 plus touchdown uh, upside there too. We got uh, to- no one, no one cares about defensive players in the show, but there's clearly something on with, going on with Geno Atkins, right? Like there's definitely a contract situation going on that no one's talking about. Well, what's the story? Uh, just, it seems like something subtle. And then like Rich said, of course, losing DJ reader. So yes, that is a situation we attack with Jonathan Taylor, despite the fact he apparently can't break tackles in the NFL. It's funny you said, I was just going to, one of the comments here in chat and YouTube, what up YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. We do appreciate that. Gino Martin saying all the hype on Jonathan Taylor. He looks like the next Trent Richardson. Oh man, that's an insult. Those are fighting words, isn't it? I think maybe he's right. I don't know. Uh, he's just not been a fun roster so far in a couple different spots, but yeah, I, I, I get the merit for tournaments for sure. Uh, some receivers uh, start us off here. Well, Dale, what, what do you have as far as receivers? Who have we not talked about? Uh, if we're doing the Kirk Cousins leverage spot, we can also do the just, just, Justin Jefferson leverage spot. So the Vikings actually ran a season-high rate of 12 personnel last week, which was a league high in week five. And that allowed Irv Smith to run a season-high rate of dropbacks on Kirk, of routes on Kirk Cousins' dropbacks. Also, a season-high in target share for Irv Smith. But that was only one week. We don't know if that was just a game plan against a Jamal Adams-Lift Seattle 
or if they'll continue to do that. So we know Justin Jefferson was a factor and was the only factor in the passing game behind Adam Thielen the previous two games. So now Justin Jefferson's ownership will be lower. So if you are playing Kirk Cousins to get off of Alexander Madison uh, in tournaments, then I think you have to double stack it with Adam Thielen, who is always part of the game plan, and Justin Jefferson. What do you have, me, Rebar? Um, I like another guy that no one wants to play, Juju. I think this is a good Ooh. Juju spot. Uh, not a not a guy that's been exciting to play on any level. He's averaging a career low nine yards per reception. But I think there's going to be. I think this is the Steeler offense. I think it's going to oscillate. You know, from these guys week to week. I think we'll see games where Deontay Johnson is a smash. We'll see Claypool where he's a smash, and the matchup dictates. So I think Juju will still be involved. We still know he's talented. Um, but, you know, the Cleveland, where they've been getting kind of killed at is in the slot. That's, you know, kind of look at Tyler Boyd, seven for 72 and a touchdown. Willie Sneed had 64 yards and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, 80 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he's not a guy I'm going to play in cash on any level, but, you know, I definitely think that he's a guy that, given where he's priced, because he's priced higher than he should be, that no one's going to want to touch him. So there's there's an opportunity to get in on there. And then I think going back to uh, Darius Slayton is fine too this week. Uh, just the the amount of target share and downfield targets that he's getting. And he would have he almost really smashed last week if that bogus touchdown counts uh. the, the phantom PI. And we all played him anyway, so we all would have shared the points. <laughs> but I think you can go back to him this week as well. Uh, yeah, that was a bummer for sure. Uh, we'll talk about tight ends in a second. I, I, I want to bring up the conversation as far as the Colts tight ends because, uh, well, Hey, let's mm-hmm. just talk about it now since I brought it up. They have three different tight ends, and they have Pat Phillip Rivers throwing them the ball. Like, I don't know, and it's I don't know who's going to be the guy. It's what's that whack a mole? I don't know which one's going to pop up this week, and I don't want to play that game. But but tight end stinks. So what do I do, Daigle? I mean, you don't have to play the Colts tight ends, but I know which one's going to be. It's going to be Trey Burton. Like that's that's who they've used. Uh, he's led the team in routes. He's also led the team with eleven. The, I'm sorry, the tight ends with routes. Uh, the tight ends with 11 targets to Jack Doyle's three and, and Mo Alley Cox is three in that span. I believe the last two games, Mo Alley Cox has only ran 18 routes, 12 routes, something like that. Like he's the one, Ridiculous. despite being clearly the most athletic of the bunch, <laughs> is being thrown out the way. And like uh, they keep saying like, oh no, like don't worry, this week Mo Alley Cox will be integrated. They literally say that about every single player. The Colts he's do as it. much coach speak <laughs> as being Janice, pe- man. He's being yeah. Janist. Every time he gets an opportunity, he's amazing, and he's Janist. <laughs> yep, totally. That's a term in the vernacular. I wasn't aware of that. For so Jeff Janis, I presume? It's going to be Trey Burton, but I'm, not, I'm still not ever going to play Trey Burton most likely in my life. Um, there aren't many options, to be honest. This is, this is one of the worst weeks for tight end in league history. No exaggeration. And so, to me, it's pretty clearly like – Darren Fells, I guess, if Jordan Akins is out. Uh, I have Irv Smith highlighted only because he also, uh, his salary did not change. He is the stone minimum, 2,500. Oh. And so you just take his, you just take the chance. He runs a few routes. I don't even care if he goes back to week one through four usage and isn't used. Mm-hmm. He's 2,500. Just play him. We played Adam Troutman. We can play <laughs> Irv Smith. I don't care. There's no way. Okay. So opportunity cost is a huge thing with DFS. What is Correct. the opportunity cost at tight end? Like, uh, you know, a couple of these guys are probably going to pop. And I, I suppose you can make the argument for Andrews, like Andrews in theory can outscore the field by 10. Uh, you know, Gusecki has some upside as well too there for Miami against the Jets. But yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine. If it makes everything, you don't roster uh, Irv Smith because you love Irv Smith. You roster Irv Smith because of the guys he lets you roster because you're rostering Irv Smith because we live in a world of salary cap. So if he gets me like seven points and I love everything else, not that seven is ideal, but you know, again, what are you missing out on? I'll take not one. I'll take one point for 2,500. 
That's, that's why I always thought the argument for Troutman versus Zacchaeus, like I favored the Troutman side than the Zacchaeus side. We talked about it last week, like taking that 3K zero at wide receiver is a lot different than at tight end. Right, 100%. Um, and, you know, the Jeff Smiths in that realm, I guess, this week too. It's a lot different <laughs> because it'd be different if there was like guys we have to pay up for, but this slate particularly does not have it. We didn't have it last week either. And part of it is because the receiver position, the top of the receiver position, like, there's not been a outside of DeAndre Hopkins there's just not been a receiver worth paying for. Maybe that'll change that we get Adams back Adams. and Michael Thomas is coming back. Um, and throughout the weeks, like we'll, we'll have those guys at the top where you say, all right, well, this guy is getting 12 targets a game and he's smashing too. We've got to entertain using some of these guys because we can't win without them. That hasn't been the case this year on any level. So when you're taking these punts at, you know, even at ride receiver and you're just like, well, well, oh yeah, I'm saving this money, but it's not getting me an extra player. Like it's yeah, I'm already playing the guys I want to play because at wide receiver we've just been playing guys out of that that mid range tier repeatedly. That's all we've been doing is playing guys out of that tier. Yeah, and you also don't have the running backs you necessarily have to have this week either. Right. It's it's a it's yeah. a weird no Camara, no Zeke. It's <laughs> it, no well no CMC. Yes, well CMC might play for what it's worth, but even if he does come back, no, I can't imagine. You I'm know, uh, they uh, Matt Rule actually said they're not going to activate him this week. It's another okay. Mike Davis week. Okay, awesome. I didn't see that before the show. Thank you don't you take away that. the revenge game. <laughs> oh, you don't wow, take away, I didn't realize that. You don't take away the best running back on the team. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, we don't have to get into that now, but it's something to say when you take a guy like Chris McCaffrey off the field, though, and yeah. a team just feels like the offense runs differently when you're not obligated to give a guy 30 touches. And, you it's know, uh, <laughs> it's going to be really frustrating whenever he comes back for his first game and Mike Davis plays three snaps again. That's what's going to be most aggravating. I think it's going to eat Mike away. Davis ain't splitting, Mike Davis ain't splitting. Mike Davis ain't splitting touches, buddy. Like oh, he's no. going back. He's going back to the bench once McCaffrey's healthy. He's getting like fifteen percent, isn't he? No, no. He's fifteen percent. This is McCaffrey's backfield. No way. Okay. Like they don't. They don't care. Like Matt Rule is such an analytically, like mentally driven coach. Um, this dude created a sports science program in college previously before being hired for the NFL. He knows the numbers. He knows everything. He's such a smart dude. So they don't care about that. They're going to play Christian McCaffrey. I wish every team in the NFL approached things that way from a science perspective. I agree. It's very much the smarter approach. Yeah. I still flip out when announcers like go nuts, like, oh, they're going to roll the dice and go for it and fourth and one from the other team's 39. That's (laughs) why, like, again, not, I'm going to say it anyways, not the uh, part here to say on the show, but like, I just started feeling good for guys getting paid. I'm so done with running backs don't matter. Like, just pay the guy. Like, they're great. Melvin Gordon's (laughs) a really fun dude when you see him in interviews. Just pay him. It's fine. Whatever. I don't care. By the way, you saw you got a DUI on much. A good segue there. But yeah, uh, I should not have actually forgot about that when I said that. So I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, he was having uh, a good time over wine before he got in the car. Kids yeah. don't get in the car. We don't know if he's going to play this week. For Where are people going Wednesday. still? Like, I don't know. I thought the <laughs> Applebee's, same thing. The Applebee's around your house. That's where they're going. Oh, um, hey, before we get out of here, Claypool, how real is Claypool? I know he came with a bunch of pedigree. He went nuts last week. You can't project that going forward. Johnson was hurt as well, too. It feels like, you know, Pittsburgh, I referenced it before, like the old school Pittsburgh, you knew exactly where everything was going, Rebar, but now uh, Pittsburgh is just a lot of options, and it's hard to think. It could it be Juju, could it be Johnson, assuming he's out there, could it be Claypool, could it be the tight end Ebron, could, could it be uh, Cotter out of the backfield? Uh, how do you figure out this Pittsburgh offense? I guess you kind of referenced it before, like you don't know, and it's hard to pick. Basically, everybody's tournament relevant. Yeah, I think it's going to bounce around. And the difference here, too, is that Ben is, you know, clearly Ben has played well from a fantasy stance, but he's thrown for 239 yards or or fewer in three of his first four games. He's only averaging 7.1 yards per pass attempt. The touchdowns have been there. He's got a 6.9 touchdown rate. 
Um, but the he's not throwing for a ton of volume. He's not throwing for a lot of downfield targets. So I think it's like not a situation where it's all in. I think it's going to oscillate and bounce around week to week. And there's going to be some frustration, especially in a season long stance. Um, but I think from Claypool, the, the most encouraging part, because we probably, that was probably his highest scoring game of the season. He's not going to score that many points. Well, what's he going to score five? <laughs> but the one thing you do appreciate is that they were manufacturing touches for him. It wasn't like he was just thrust in and they gave him targets. They were running end arounds to him, designed screens at the goal line, you know, and out of a stack. Uh, they were, they were, they were like saying like, they were at, like objectively saying like, we want this guy to touch the ball still. Um, and then he was thrust into just getting a larger role too. So, I mean, that those are all positive indicators you want to latch on to, but um, I think it is going to bounce around. And like I said, Ben, like from an overall volume stance, isn't the guy that's like got a huge pie to share right now of yardage uh, to give away. You, I you think it's both. Oh, jump, jump in. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it actually becomes more of the Cowboys situation. Now, remember, James Washington yeah. is still running 28 routes per game. So we need him to go away for Claypool, like to survive as a wide receiver, two or three. But I think it becomes uh, Claypool as Michael Gallup, Deontay Johnson as CD Lamb, and Juju Smith Schuster as Amari Cooper, if I had to like pick how the fallout is. That's good. I, I like that. I was just going to ask uh, you guys are both locked in on season long much more than I am. I'm curious where. Like where would Claypool be like, you know, going forward rest of season, like around 30? Is that a fair number or no? I'm just doing We also out. haven't seen Deontay play a full game since week two and he had <laughs> 23 targets. No, I know first my, my rosters are well aware of that. And like Eric Ebron's not getting the targets, but like these past two games without Deontay, his routes run have actually increased as well. So it's like, it's a very finicky offense. It's a hard one to figure out, honestly. All right. Uh, unless you have somebody else on your sheet there, Rebar, uh, feel free to tell the people where they can find you and uh, we'll step aside and get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Dev's probably freaking out on us, but uh, uh, sharp <laughs> football, analysis.com. Uh, you can find me. I do a weekly show called pre-snap motion with Chad Scott. And I do a weekly podcast called sharp angles. That is more of a betting real football talk show uh, with Cleve TA and Dan Pizzuto. So check those out if you get a chance. Same thing, Daigle. At not Jay Daigle on Twitter, I actually just updated the Roto World waiver wire column because waivers are processing on ESPN and Yahoo tonight and tomorrow AM, so it's still actionable right now, as well as the Roto World football podcast. And then, of course, I will be back on Sunday morning for Roto World doing sit start sits that everyone just loves answering um, every Sunday morning, <laughs> an hour leading up to kickoff. So that's where you ask them. I'll be on three hours before lock here at Roto Grinders. We go for three hours all up the lock while I'm rounding up. Well, I'm only on for the first hour, for the, to be clear. And then I start making lineups and things like that. I'm relieved by the really oh, yeah. sharp people here at RG. Uh, check us out on Sundays, of course. Like and subscribe to the channel. You guys can get notifications and all that. Check out the links in chat, too. Sign up for that. Uh, the Single Entry Series on, on Fandle is awesome. I love that. I can't wait. Week 6 to 13, that's going down. Rotor Grinders is sponsoring that, as well as the, the Core 4. Check out that link as well, too. You get $5 off your first, first month at RG. Uh, we apologize, Devin. You get to play. He's got his Xbox controller in hand. He's been waiting for the last 20 minutes or running long. My apologies. Go ahead and uh, check it out there. Uh, yeah, you can play some Xbox, Devin. That was Rich. That was John. I was Dean. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your football this week. We're out of here. Holler. <laughs>